This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're going to be in the first seven verses of Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles or maybe you have uh, an app with you on your phone, Uh, if not, they will be on the screens for you this morning. And you had he quickened, verse 1, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus." I don't know if you caught this the first week that we were in Ephesians, but I said that this letter was written by Paul, and it was to be read aloud many times in churches. I think we can read those seven verses aloud with some, with some passion and some oomph, and I think we could just do that over and over again, and I think we could all leave today thinking, man, the Word of God spoke to my heart today. If we could read how we were dead and we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, we had our conversation or our lifestyle in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh, of our mind. We were the children of wrath, but God. But God. And that is today's sermon. But God. But God, the story is told and parts of it are verified to be true and other parts of it uh, some people say are false and some people say are true so unverified facts man by the name of jeremy bentham how many of you watch lost anybody watch lost it's okay no judgment here all right go ahead i've never seen it so i don't know if it's good or bad um but uh evidently there's like an alter ego or like a, a name this someone uses this name jeremy bentham he was a english philosopher and he was a very eccentric man, a very uh, odd man, for lack of a better word. And he made a decree that when he passed away, that he wanted his remains kept intact. Those are true statements. Like, those are verified statements. They've had over the years to, like, work on his face with wax to keep it looking. Just Google it. I promise it's there. And uh, you'll see it. Some of y'all look at me like I'm crazy. I- no, I'm not crazy. This dude's crazy. All right, so, so that's, that was his thing. So what, the, the part that's unverified, some people say that for a while after his death, that at University College in London, he was one of the board members there, that at University College in London, he had written into the bylaws there that he had to be present at every board meeting, even after his death. And so they would bring in whatever portion, of, evidently, of Jeremy Bentham that they could, including his head, to the board meeting. And they would vote on items for their organization, and they would place him down every time in the vote as present but not voting. 
present, but not voting. And today, these verses deal with present people, physically present, but spiritually dead. Yet present here, tangibly here, but not voting. Tangibly here, but dead spiritually. I'm going to jump right in this morning because I know the time and y'all know that I'm looking forward to verse four. So we're going to jump right in. Number one, very, very honestly, very uh, straightforward this morning. Number one, without Christ, we are spiritually dead. Without Christ, we are spiritually dead. Look at the verse. And you have thee quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein, in times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Even as others. We were spiritually dead. We weren't spiritually weak. We weren't spiritually backslidden. We weren't spiritually struggling. Without Christ, we were dead. Dead, spiritually, without Christ. What did we do? What did these verses tell us? The first thing it tells us is that we followed the world. We followed the world. It says you walked according to the course of this world. That means that without Christ, you were influenced heavily by the world's values, the world's culture, the world's lifestyles, the attitudes of this world. And how many of you understand that we will consistently struggle with this? I, I know I do, but we followed the world dead in our sins. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 tells us, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I didn't write that. Don't get mad at me. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. As dead spiritual people, we follow after this world. And let me give you a preview somewhat of the end. If you are a born-again, saved believer this morning then you ought to be thinking in my mind, am I functioning as a dead Christian? Am I functioning as a dead Christian? I may positionally be alive in Christ, seated in the heavenly places, but functionally, am I functioning as a dead Christian? Hey, am I following this world? Am I seeing what this world does and its, its culture and its, its lifestyles? And am I just following the trend of this world. And let me just say this. I don't believe as Christians we ought to be counterculture just to be countercultural. That's coffee, right? All right. Not coffee. Uh, I don't think we need to be, be contradicting the culture just to do it. I believe this. I believe we ought to draw our culture from this book right here. And when we draw our culture from this book right here, if the other societal norms go the opposite way, we stay right on track with the book. And what the book tells us to do. Hey, listen, if the world around us bucks the book, that's fine. But I, we do not, we do not, we are not driven by culture. Let me say this too, we're also not afraid of it. We're also not afraid of it. 
I, I, I say this, I talk about my, my daughters and my kids sometimes, and some, they have friends, some of their friends are really, from really strong Christian families, others of them are not, some unsaved, and I always tell them, I said, you can have as many friends as you want, all different kinds of friends, good friends, bad friends, you have as many friends as you want, as long as you are the one influencing and when we sense that you are no longer the one influencing and you are the one being influenced, then we're going to step in. Hey, listen, we're in culture. We're in the culture. Unless you want to put your family in a bubble, which I know some Christians that do, congratulations. But, unless you, but if you want your, your, your family to function within society and be a light for Jesus in society, you're going to be in the world, but we're not going to be of the world. And we're not going to follow the world's trends. Hey, listen, just because you're liberal, uh, you're spiritually liberal, that wasn't a political statement, your spiritually liberal friends on Facebook push progressive Christianity on you, it doesn't mean that everybody else has to follow. Just because the church is supposed to look past sin and the church is not supposed to deal with sin, supposed to because it's 2018, and I can't believe that a church would believe what the Bible says. Oh. Listen, we will not follow the world. We will not be influenced by its values, its culture, its lifestyle, and its attitudes. Let, let's take it down a little more. Let, let's... I think we're on something, and let's kind of dig a little deeper, because not only did we follow the world, he says, but we followed Satan. You walked according to the prince of the power of the air. Let's just call it what it is. Let's not sugarcoat it. When we live for this world, and we follow this world, we are following the leader of this world. And that leader is very real this morning. And it's the devil himself. You say, don't talk about that. Sorry. I don't like talking about it either. But he is real. He is a roaring lion that walks about seeking whom he may devour, looking actively for people that he can influence and he can, the word the Bible uses, devour, to take up. That is Satan. And we follow, when we follow the world, we follow Satan. Paul encouraged the Christians at Ephesus in chapter 4 and verse 27 by saying, This do not give place to the devil and in our sin as dead spiritually people not only have we followed the world but we had given place to the devil and not just any place to the devil we give leadership to the devil and we're following his attitudes and his culture and his lifestyle and his value system and let's not be so easily fooled. Let's not be so easily fooled. The culture around us, every time that you turn on your computer, every time you get your iPad out, every time that you step into the world, which we do every single day, all the time, the devil is strategically coming after you. He is. He's coming after your marriages, which is why you need to be here on Wednesday night and you need to sign up for that you and me forever because the devil's after your marriage. The devil's after your kids. The devil's after your family. The devil's after your job. The devil is after you. And, and let's be honest, sometimes we feel it and sometimes we don't. But he's always after us. Hey, he can't, for those of us that are Christians, he can't get our souls, but he can ruin our lives. Hey, he can't have your soul, but he can have your marriage. He can't have your soul, but he can have your kids. He can influence your kids, 
The devil is after us. And those that are spiritually dead follow the world and follow Satan. You say, Josh, there's no way if it came to me and it said, I am Satan, here's the worldly philosophy that I have, will you follow me? There's no way I'd do it. And I say, you're probably right. If Satan came and said, here's my philosophy, my name is Satan, notice the tail and the horns, they're red, not blue, because I'm a Duke fan, and yet we all know the Bible tells us red devils are bad, blue devils are great. So that's just scripture. So don't argue with me, take it up with whatever. Uh, but, uh, but the truth is this, he's not, I don't think he would get us that way. I'm the devil, here's my value system, please follow my value system. Here's how he gets us, this is the third way. We follow the world, we follow Satan, Here's where it gets tough. We followed our sinful flesh. We followed our sinful flesh. We lived in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Our flesh is inherently sinful. We don't have to work on it. We don't have to become good at it. We are sinners. The moment that we were conceived, we were conceived in sin. The moment that that baby came out, what's the first thing a baby does when it comes out? Starts crying. I know that baby's a sinner. All right, I know that baby's a sinner. You try to have, try to have a, a little baby at your house and try to get some sleep for more than three or four hours, that baby's a sinner. We know it. But the truth is here, parents, can we testify this morning? You don't have to train your children to sin. They're like little professionals. They can't get four plus three equals seven, but they are like sinners times three, and they know what that is. They can tell you what the answer is. They are professional. I don't have to teach my kids to touch the stove when it's hot. They're like, it's like, oh. I don't have to teach them that. I say it this way, and I've said it often. We are sinners by default. Left to yourself, doing nothing, you will sin. How come? The Bible tells us this, to him who knows to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So by default, we have a sinful nature in our flesh. Professional sinners. Galatians chapter 5 Beginning in verse 16 says it this way, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. That's, that's called the Christian life right there. Can I, can I give you the Christian life in a nutshell? Galatians 5, 17. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. I'm out of a job. That's the Christian life in a nutshell. I don't even need to come back next Sunday and preach. That's the Christian life. The flesh is battling the spirit, and they're contrary to one another, so I don't, I don't end up doing the things that I want to do for Christ. But if you are led by the spirit, verse 18, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish, amb- selfish ambitions, Man, why do you have to put that one in there? Dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries. And by the way, in case he missed something, and the like. Anything like that. Whatever is in look up thesaurus and put all those words in there. Whatever you see, add those to the list. And the like. 
of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't say it. Paul did through the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, verse 8, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The fact is this, that the moment you trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit of God came and dwelled inside of you. We talked about that in Ephesians chapter 1. You have God's Holy Spirit inside of you, and you now have a war going on inside, and that is what your flesh wants to do and what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do inside of you. And I wish that we didn't have this war. I wish that we didn't have this fight. And like I told you a couple weeks ago, if you didn't want this fight, you should have never got saved. Because the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came and dwelt inside of you, and you now have this tension. You now have this war, and that's just the way it is. The, fl- the flesh will war against the Spirit. If, fact is, if you're under the sound of my voice this morning and you do not know Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit does not dwell within you, you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, you don't have a war right now. You, you are operating in your flesh, and you are completely fine with operating in your flesh. Yeah, there may be some, some obvious physical or social or maybe even economic struggles that come with operating unwisely in your flesh, and so you may have some struggles in your life. But deep down inside, you're doing whatever you want to do and you really don't care. But those of us that have believed on the name of the Son of God and those of us who have God's Holy Spirit within us, we have a constant struggle and a constant war. Could, just, by, just, by, just so I'm not the only one this morning, how many of you would say, Josh, I know what you're talking about. The war of the flesh and the war of the Spirit. Romans 7, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. It's, what Paul, it's the same author, Paul. And we have this flesh and we have this spirit and they're fighting and they're at war. So maybe Satan won't get us by saying, here's the world, follow me. Maybe he won't get us by saying, I am Satan, follow me. I believe where he gets us is, hey, don't follow me. Just do what you want to do. Just go ahead and follow yourself. Just follow your flesh. Uh Uh-oh, rom-com fans. Just follow your heart. Right? How many Hallmark movies? 34? Oh, we got uh, somebody's under conviction up here in the front. But I have to call in the prayer warriors. What is it, 34? Let me tell you something. Just follow your heart. It's like, as I tell my wife, give me five minutes to watch the beginning five minutes of every Hallmark movie. I can tell you who's going to get together and who's going to be disappointed at the end. Save yourself an hour and a half. It's all good, I promise. And there's like the same girl is in like every movie. Anyway, so it's all good. I'm like, wasn't she just in the last one? Yeah, she, okay. She, what, that's not the full house girl. No, that's not the, okay, not, not the full house girl. All right, cool. So I'm, I'm trying to get all this together. But at the end of the day, oh yeah, just follow your heart, Satan says. Hey, just do what makes, what, what, you, what you think You mean the heart that the Bible says is desperately wicked? Who can know it? Dads, moms, please stop telling your daughters to follow her heart. Because let me tell you something. Her heart is going to go after something that it probably shouldn't go after one day. Please stop telling your young sons to just follow their heart. Because if they follow their heart, there's a good chance, because it's desperately wicked, and who can know it, there's a good chance that their heart's going to lead them astray. Hey, we need to start changing our verbiage, and it needs to be follow the Spirit. And where the Spirit leads you, that's where you need to go. And if it's my little daughter in elementary school, it's like, hey, if you're at school and there's somebody without a lunch that day, the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart's door and says, give that lunch to your friend. Give that lunch to your friend. Follow the Spirit. Don't follow your flesh. Man, if you don't have a lunch and I got a lunch and I'm going to follow my flesh, sorry, dude. 
I'm hungry. I want to follow the Spirit. Following the Spirit. And I didn't even mean to stay here that long. But this morning, the devil is going to get us and he wants to get us. And he has dead spiritual people all over this world because they're simply following their flesh. Following their flesh. Without Christ, we were spiritually dead. We weren't just having a bad day. We weren't just walking down the wrong path. We were not just in need of improvement. We were dead. Just as the old English philosopher was that we talked about at the beginning, we were present, but not voting. But I want you to look at verse 4. And this is my favorite transitional statement in the Bible. If you were on our Facebook Live last Sunday, Psalm 3 has one of these in it. And it, you, know, you get a little excited. And that's all good. But in my favorite transitional statement in the Bible, verse 4, But God, but God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Listen this morning, here we are, dead, following the world, following the leader of this world, following Satan, following the lusts of our flesh, dead in our sins, completely dead, with no hope, but God. But God, but God, here we are, walking down in the valley, and down in the valley, and down in the valley, and down in the valley, but God. Here we are, to put it right where we live, here we are with storms all around us. But storms all around us, but God is my lighthouse as we sung about this morning. But God, but God. Who is this God? Number one, He is rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy. Lamentations 3 22 says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Psalm 136, I don't know if you're familiar with that psalm. It has 26 verses in it. I mean, 26 verses in the whole psalm. 26 verses. Out of 26 verses, all 26 say this statement right here. His mercy endures forever his mercy endures forever what is mercy this morning mercy is simply not getting what we deserve hey we already learned we were dead in our sins we were following after this world we were following after the leader of this world satan we were following our flesh but god but god had mercy he's rich in mercy hey we deserve hell we deserve death we deserve punishment. We deserve to stand trial for every sin we've ever committed. But God, who is rich in mercy, does not give us what we deserve. Does not give us what we deserve. It's like the old song said, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'd like to talk to, I don't know if that was Gaither, but I'd like to talk to whoever wrote it and say, you should write a last verse. I'm no longer a sinner saved by grace. I'm now a saint of God. I am now a child of God. No longer a sinner. <clears throat> I'm a saint who struggles with sin. We're going to get there one day in our church. i got a book for y'all to read, but I'll tell you about it later. Simply put this, he's rich in mercy 
a quote that you can remember from this is this, great is my sin. How many of you would agree with that? Great is my sin. Greater is his mercy. Great is my sin. Greater is his mercy. Your sin is great, but his mercy is greater. Hey, listen, he, he will extend mercy over and over and over. They're new every morning. They endure forever, his mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy, but he's not just rich in mercy. He's rich in, in love. He's rich in love. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. 1 John chapter 4 says this, verse 16, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. God loves like we don't understand. Those of us that are married, there's a certain love we have for our spouse. Those of us that have children, there's a different type of love that we have for our children, and we can't really explain it, the difference. But God loves us infinitely, eternally, more and deeper than we could ever love another human being. God is love. That is who he is. He is powerful in his love. Augustine said it this way, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. John 3.16, instead of saying, for God so loved the world, what Augustine says here is we could say, hey, for God so loved Josh that he gave. Hey, for God so loved, and fill in your name, that he gave. He is not only rich in mercy, he is rich in love. And I can't comprehend it. I can't explain it. All I know is once you've experienced it, you just know. You ever been there when you just know that she's the one? Zach, you want to come up and testify? I'm just kidding. Now that I remember that you're engaged. You remember when you knew? For some people it took, let's be honest, it took a while. For others it was love at first sight. But you knew. You just knew. Hey, listen, for some of you spiritually, it may have taken you a while to comprehend and try to grasp the love that God can have for a sinner like you. But you know, you just knew. You just, you understood it. You just got it. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes when people ask me about it, how was your salvation conversion? I have a hard time even explaining it verbally of what God was doing on the inside of me. Because God is love and I can't explain it. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But he is rich today. He is rich in love. But not only love this morning, he's rich in power. But God Rich in mercy, rich in love, rich in power. Psalm 147.5, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. I'm not going to spend time on this. Today, we're going to be back in here next week. And I already talked about it a little bit, but we serve a powerful God that can and will do whatever he so pleases. 
He will heal a relationship. He will heal a sickness. He will heal a family. He will, he will make a, a spiritually dead teenager come alive. He will make a dead, uh, a dead relationship come back to life. We, have, we serve a God who has the power to do anything that he wants to do. We serve a God who literally said, let there be light, and there was light. That's who we serve this morning. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in love. But God, who is rich in power, and then... Lastly, and it's crazy that I tried to get through all this this morning. I apologize. He is rich in grace. We will be back. We will be back next Sunday. I promise you. By the way, if you have an unsaved, searching, seeking friend, please, please bring them to church next Sunday. Please bring them to church next Sunday. But he is rich in grace. If you remember, I believe the, it was the first sermon in our Ephesians series. We simply went over two words. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. And here is the section of Ephesians that highlights this grace that we speak of. In fact, I believe this portion of the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 probably highlights grace. I'm going to say the best in the Bible. I love this passage. But he is rich in grace. Grace works uh, right hand in hand with mercy. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve and grace is getting what we did not deserve. And at the cross, once again, inexplicably, at the cross, grace and mercy collided. And not only at the cross did we not get what we deserved, but we got everything that we did not deserve that day. Grace and mercy collided at the cross. He is rich in grace. It's unbelievable grace. It's grace that's outside the realm of our uh, possibilities in our mind to grasp. It is grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Whatever your sin is this morning, His grace is more. Hey, great was your sin, great is His mercy. Great is your sin, great is his grace. Stop beating yourself up. Great is his grace. He is not only, man, I, I wish, if there's one thing I wish Christians would understand, it was they, you were not saved to go to heaven one day. You were not saved to go to heaven one day. I can walk up to anybody and say, hey, would you rather spend an eternity in torment, getting hellfire, breathe down you and worms crawling and or would you rather go somewhere that's got streets of gold by the way the bible says street but we say streets of gold because an old gospel song taught us that um as streets of gold actually a street of gold and uh, would you like to be with jesus christ would you like to man it's going to be great you're going to have a, a mansion oh yeah sure i mean if you ask me i want to burn or i don't want a mansion oh, sure. give me a mansion where do i sign up no no it's so much more it's so much more. It's grace. It's, it's mercy. It's love. It's power. It's the fact that you were dead in your sin. It's the fact that Jesus Christ came and died on that cross not to make you a better person and not to make you a better husband or not to make you a better wife, but to make you a brand new person. To take your old nature and to rip it to shreds and to throw it away and to give you a brand new nature. That, my friend, is salvation. 
That is salvation. When your old nature is ripped away and your new nature is given to you, Jesus Christ is your Savior. The Holy Spirit resides within you. And yes, oh, by the way, one day when you die, heaven is your home. Praise God. But it's so much more. It's so much more. We cheapen the gospel when it's literally a get-out-of-hell-free card. No, grace is so much more. It's not difficult. Hey, listen, bring the children. Suffer the little children to come unto me. It's not difficult, but it's so much more than a monopoly piece. It's so much more. In Christ, who is, who is rich in mercy, who is rich in love, who is rich in power, who is rich in grace, lasted this morning in Christ, we are made alive. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened. That word doesn't make make us faster, right? It means has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. I've said it once. I'll say it again in closing. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus did not come this morning to make struggling people a little more comfortable. He did not come this morning to make Democrats Republicans. He did not come this morning to make Republicans Democrats. He did not come this morning to make lazy people have character. He did not come this morning to make angry people a little more kind. Jesus came to make dead people alive alive that's why he came this morning he didn't come just to fix a problem in your life he came to awaken your soul we were dead in our trespasses those are the acts of sin the actual acts of sin we were dead in our trespasses and our sin that's the nature of our sin and Jesus made us alive because of the riches of his mercy the riches of his love the riches of his power and the riches of his grace this morning You were dead, but Jesus made you alive. I have been regenerated. Keep that word in your head for seven days because we're coming back to it. I have been reborn. I have been regened. I've been given a new pair of jeans, right? Hopefully nicer without holes in them. For some of y'all, anyway. Some of y'all buy them with the holes. I'm off sound like my dad. Can't believe they buy them with the holes in them. Anyway. No comment. We've been giving a new DNA. You are not who you once were. And I can't really explain it to you. But I can say in a nutshell that Jesus did not come to make you a better version of your previous self. Ah. Jesus didn't come to make you a better version of your previous self. He came to make you alive with his new nature by his spirit. By his spirit. Next week we'll dive a little deeper. We'll get to verses 8 and 9, which are amazing. We're going to talk about regeneration and what it means for our new nature uh, to be alive within us and our old nature to be removed from us. We're going to try to unpack what grace really looks like. But for today, just by way of conclusion, if you're a saved Christian in here, 
I think we need to look back at the first half of the message and we need to say, are we operating as if we are dead? Are we present and just not voting? Because, yeah, we're saved, but we are operating and living our lives as if we are dead spiritually. Are we following this world? Are we following the leader of this world? Are we following our sinful flesh? The Bible speaks very strongly about those who claim to be saved and just live and do whatever they will please. I won't even go there this morning. You can read it. We read a couple of them. So this morning, if you're saved, I think we need to take some inventory and say, how how are we living? Are we living with sin in our lives? Some of us have sin in our lives, and we need to get rid of it. It doesn't address specific sin here today, but it talks about sin. And some of us have, let's be honest, all of us have sin in our lives. Stop, I'm I'm just lying to y'all. All of us have sin in our lives, and we need to address it. We need to address it. But maybe there's a second group of people in here. And I realize there's a lot of different people from a lot of different church backgrounds in here today. And man, I love each and every one of you. But I want to ask you an honest question. I want to make sure I... Have you ever realized that you were spiritually dead? Pronounced dead. Done. Have you come to grips with the fact that you were not just a bad person who needed to do some things a little bit better? Have you come to grips with, no, you weren't just an alcoholic who was ruining your family and so you'll give Jesus a try? I fear that in churches all across this world, there are people filling pews who have never had a true regeneration experience because they have failed to acknowledge that in their genes, in their DNA is death, sin, hell. And I believe that there are people all around this world, they have not worded it this way because we've come up with this thing called the sinner's prayer um, that makes it very easy to just repeat these three sentences and voila. So we don't say this. But what we have said in our heart is we have asked Jesus to come in and just turn my path a little bit. Hey, I don't like the man I'm becoming, so could you come in and adjust? And by the way, I definitely want heaven when it's all done. (laughs) Praise the Lord. No, have we ever had a time... And by the way, I'm not teaching a work salvation. I'm not teaching that if you sin after you're saved that you're not saved. Please don't hear me wrong this morning. What I am teaching you is that you were dead in your sins. And if you've never acknowledged the fact that you were dead and you needed to be resurrected spiritually, that, that is the salvation transaction. You were dead. You were dead. You were dead. But God, you're alive. You're alive You are alive in Christ. You were dead. You were dead. You were dead. But God. And now you're alive. You're alive. You're alive in Christ. Jesus has the power to make something dead come alive. 
He has the power to take your nature and rip it to shreds and give you a new nature. We are given the righteousness of God through Jesus. And so my question this morning is, have you ever admitted that you were dead in need of resurrection? Not bad in need need of being good. Not struggling in need of some comfort. Not going down the wrong path and needing to, hey, I need to start turning right because I'm going to turn right. I'll come back around sometime. No, have you acknowledged that you were dead in your sin? And have you acknowledged that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead? Guys, I don't know why. He rose from the dead to give you life. Life. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.